So I think there's a legitimate chance that LeBron could play until he's like 40. Welcome back to the Getting Buckets Podcast. I'm Ethan, and I'm joined today by Matt and Jordan. What's up, guys? What's going on? And today we're going to talk about Game 1. So obviously, the Lakers destroyed the Miami Heat yesterday. Um, 98-116. to And the score really isn't indicative of how much of a blowout this game actually was. Because the Heat were actually up in the second quarter by, I think, like, by, like, 12. And after that point, the Lakers went on a 75-30 to 30 run to close out the game. So it was complete, utter domination by the Lakers. And, yes, there were a couple of injuries on the Miami Heat side. But, I don't know. Based on what I've, I saw that last game, I think that now the Lakers really might sweep. And my prediction of Lakers in six is not going to happen anymore. I agree. I think uh, I'm not the kind of person to say like a series is over after one game, but after seeing the way my, like the Lakers just dominated Miami across the board and then the injuries to Bam and Drogic, like it feels like the series is going to be over in four or five games. Oh yeah, no. The Lakers are definitely winning the next three games. Having Bam be out now, even though he's was reported that he's going to be coming back for for game two, uh, he's he's not going to be the the same. Uh, Dragic is you know going to be hurt whether he comes back for game two. He's not going to be a hundred percent. And just after the embarrassment that the Lakers handed the Miami Heat last night, uh, this is going to be a very quick series. It just it just seems like the Lakers are more aggressive. They want it more. They're a more physical team. They're big men the Heat just have no answer for, especially if Bam is not at 150%. The the Lakers can just do whatever they, they want. You know, every time that, whether it was LeBron, whether it was Caruso, whether it was Rondo, all they needed to do was just get the ball to Anthony Davis within maybe five feet of the basket and then Davis basically just has to like turn around, just lift up his arm and just flick the ball in. And the Heat just have have no one. Like it's uh, it's definitely going to be a quick series now. At this point, it's just uh, the the Heat are, are outclassed in this one. They're they're simply just outclassed. The Lakers are a much better team. Yeah, I think you know the injuries to Bam and Drogic. They're a bit more serious than people thought. I, th- I hear Drogic has mm-hmm. a torn. Uh, plantar, whatever it is, fasciitis, of, mm-hmm. like that's a plantar tough, fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis, yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's. I know Joe Johnson had the injury in 2013, and he just like was a complete shell of himself trying to play through mm-hmm. it. So sure. it's going to be really tough for Drogic. I don't think he's going to be back for game two, and even if he comes back at, at any point in the series, he's not going to be himself. He was the Heat's leading scorer throughout the playoffs. He can't. He can't be that kind of guy. Um, Bam Adebayo has a neck strain. In addition to a shoulder injury, he's going to be out for game two and probably might miss game three. I don't know. A neck is a really tough injury, like neck and back, all those kind of stuff. So 
I think this. I I, I thought that uh Bam. Yeah, they're okay. They're listed as doubtful. Yeah, okay. So he's he's gonna be out. Yeah, yeah, no source. Okay, according to Tim Reynolds, right now it's uh Bam intends to play Friday. Uh, yeah, for game two. That, and and, then, and there will be a lot of treatment in his future Thursday. That's that's what he said. So. Yeah, and then like and that, that was last night, and then the next day it was, the Heat listed him as doubtful. So. Right, doubtful. I mean, realistically, I f- I feel like. I feel like Adebayo will probably end up playing. Like that's just my, you know, guess. I know. If, I if think, I had to like make make a bet now, I think I think if you maybe doubtful like the day of the game, then he could try to fight through it. But if you're listing him as doubtful the day before, like literally the day before, it's it's they're just like assuming he's not going to be good to go until like at least game three, like that. It's also just like like I said, the neck injury. That's such a tough, like you don't want to further damage that because that could be like career threatening in that kind of area. Oh sure, yeah. They they probably don't want to push Bam and have him hurt something else. Like that's kind of what happened with the Warriors last year. They kind of pushed KD a little bit more, and then he ends up getting hurt for much yeah. longer. Yeah, and the same thing with Clay. I remember in either game one or two, he had a uh, hamstring or a knee sprain, I believe. And then oh, uh, did he? Yeah, okay. he actually did. And then he missed. Right. I think he missed. He missed like uh, the rest of the game too. And then he tried to play through it, and he tore his ACL. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Heat are playing with house money right now. Obviously, they had a great run in the playoffs, but no one really expected them to get to this point. Even if they lose the series, it's still an amazing season for them. I really, I, I don't think it makes sense if, like, they feel like this could further hurt those kind of guys. It doesn't make sense to rush them back. Yeah, for sure. It is definitely something that people didn't really realize that much, that uh, Dragic actually is their number one scorer this playoffs. He's been Like, he, he just... Uh, yeah, he's just been the guy just all of a sudden stepping up. And Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler really isn't that big of a scorer for them. Like, he averages, I think, about 20, yeah. maybe a little less. Yeah, Jimmy's like Jimmy's more their closer. He's just like the one who will take the ball at the end of the games and he'll just attack the basket or go pull up for three or something like that. You know, he's, yeah, that, 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 that's what he does. But Drogic, like, during, during the middle quarters of the game, he's just the one attacking with his craftiness, like the Euro steps, the behind the back like fake passes all that stuff he's he's such a fun player to watch jimmy's almost like one of the best glue guys in the nba you know it's it's not like a glue guy in the way that we conventionally talk about glue guys but he was that missing piece for this miami roster and obviously he's an an all-star talent uh but he kind of fills that role as a glue guy as well because he does so much on the court he gets rebounds he gets assists he gets steals he gets blocks he is he he just does everything he he does a lot of little things for the heat and because of that i kind of feel like he fills in that glue guy role in addition to his um you know undeniable all-star talent yeah i think he i compare him a lot to someone like a kyle larry i think he's more talented than larry but those are the kind of guys where like they're just like winners, and they're the type of glue guys that you want in any organization who can just hold that group together. They can be, they'll hold guys accountable. They'll you know he'll be on Bam Adebayo, he'll be on Tyler Hero, who you know they're really successful at their age, but they're still young and they're vulnerable to making mistakes. So having a guy like that in the organization is just such a huge plus. And obviously, like I said, he's just he he's a terrific talent. Like like you said, steals blocks jumpers everything like he wasn't really he wasn't really much of a shooter during the regular season and never is but when it comes to the playoffs he'll his three-point percentage will jump up like 10 12 points and it's pretty impressive for a guy like that to do something 
Well, let me also ask you guys this. Uh, Kendrick Nunn was not in the rotation at all these playoffs, but now that Drogic is out, he's going to be have to take a bigger role. So do you think maybe that could cause the Heat some problems? Because he is a pretty good player. It was all-team, first rookie, uh, first team all-rookie. He's a good player. And obviously, I don't know if he's going to be able to match the production that Drogic uh, gave the Heat, but I think that it definitely helps that he's playing now. So I think maybe that's, there's a potential that Maybe the Heat could win a game because of Kendrick Nunn. I don't Look, know. There's, there's, yeah, there's always a chance that the Heat can go and steal one. At this point, I am not so convinced that I am gonna see that. I don't really think we're we're gonna see the the Heat pull out a game in this series, unfortunately for NBA fans. But uh, Kendrick Nunn. As good of a rookie year as he did, he ended up being, I think it was third in rookie of the year voting after John Morant and Zion Williamson. Uh, he is no Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic was their primary scorer this entire playoff run. You know, Kendrick Nunn is not going to be able to fill in that production. He, he played pretty well last night because... It was kind of like a garbage time situation. I saw he he shot like eight of eleven. He had, you know, a pretty good amount of points, but the game was over uh, after halftime. All in and yeah, it was pretty much all garbage time. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is not going to be able to fill in for what Goran uh, Dragic did. And and just just to you know just to emphasize the Miami Heat, it's not like they kind of like you know walked backwards to the NBA Finals. They beat some very talented teams, and not only did they do that, but they did it convincingly. So I think the fact that they just seem so outclassed against this Lakers team, it's it's not a hit against the Miami Heat. It's a compliment to just how strong the Lakers are. You know, the, the Heat bulldozed over the Pacers, a strong team. I was high on the, the Pacers as, as well. I think Victor Oladipo is great. The Heat bulldozed the Milwaukee Bucks, who was pretty much everyone's favorite. And they they convincingly beat the Boston Celtics. And now everyone is now saying that this is going to be a sweep in the Lakers' favor. That's, that's, uh, that's just a really – that just shows how talented LeBron and Anthony Davis and the rest of that Lakers roster is, not, not you know, how bad the Heat are. Yeah, and I think that's – you know, I see so many people in the last 24 hours or – yeah, about 24 hours, trying to make this about how it's an asterisk title for LeBron because he's facing no a way. super Nonsense. weak team. I, I hate that so much. It's just like, skip, bro. It's, just it's, skip. It's, it's just skip. <laughs> no, but Skip doesn't is, know what he's talking about. Is, he can't tell is, his left hand from his right. It's not just him. I wish it was just him, but there's so many people like him. I see tons of people in the comments on Lakers, on ESPN, on this and that. They're just talking about how like this is like a fake title for LeBron. How, But meanwhile, if... If LeBron would have lost, like they would have just absolutely grilled him for it, and sure. it's it blows my mind. Just people have such a hard time admitting that LeBron's number one, the best player in the NBA, and number two, that the Lakers are the best team in the NBA. It's just like it's simple facts. It's not LeBron's fault that the Clippers decided to choke a three-one lead in the NBA Finals. It's not the Lakers' fault that the that Damian Lillard got hurt. It's not the Lakers' fault that uh, I don't know. Like any, any like that, the Milwaukee Bucks choked to the, to the Heat, and like they just Giannis couldn't do anything. Like that's not their fault. The Lakers controlled what they controlled, 
and they won in like, like they won in like brutal fashion. Yeah, you know, it's not just about you know the Milwaukee Bucks like choking, for example. The team that makes it to the NBA Finals or the team that wins any series, in most cases, are just a more talented team. And especially in the bubble without home court advantage, this is whoever wins a series, whoever wins a game, they were the more talented team. The Denver Nuggets, they beat the Los Angeles Clippers fair and square. Literally, there was no home court, so it was completely neutral. They just go out there and who can win four out of seven basketball games. It just so happened that the Denver Nuggets beat the Los Angeles Clippers. Everyone was, uh, you know, expecting the Los Angeles Clippers to uh, get to the conference finals and beat the Lakers and win the, the championship, but everyone was wrong that they were that good. Yeah. They clearly weren't. Uh, they, people, they, people I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. People, I, I, I just wanted to get in this quick point. People always talk about with the, with the Nuggets that they have one of the biggest home court advantages in the league because of the altitude in Denver about how it's, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. to breathe for a lot of guys out there. And they're just, especially in the playoffs when it's late in the season to give these guys, it'll give them such an advantage, but they didn't have that this year. And they still beat, they still came back from a three, one lead against the Utah jazz. They still came back from a three, one lead against the Clippers who were considered like a top two team and maybe in the NBA, not even in the, like in just in the West. So that was just, that was really impressive from them. I, I disagree. I don't think that uh, the most talented team does not win every time. Uh, we saw that in 2011 when uh, the Mavericks beat the Miami Heat. Uh, there's been several times where I don't think the most talented team won. It really has happened when um, the Sixers have lost in the playoffs. Who could argue that they had you know, one of the most talented rosters in the NBA and they lost in the playoffs? So, I don't know. But as, at the same time, on the Lakers side of things, you have to think that LeBron and AD are you know extremely confident with how the game went, and I think that AD, you know, at the level which he's playing right now, I think that he could probably maybe even extend LeBron's career a couple of years, because I don't I don't think that LeBron is really going to have to be the like the best player in the world anymore after this year, because AD is is like so close to him right now in my opinion. So I think there's a legitimate chance that LeBron could play until he's like 40 or 42. Not not 42, but he could play till he's 40 easily. Well, yeah, he's definitely going to be playing. I can I can tell you right now. I know exactly how many more years at a minimum he will play. His son Bronny's going to is a sophomore currently, right? In in high school. Yeah. So he'll be playing for four more years, five more years. He will be playing for five more seasons like at a minimum until Bronny is a rookie in the NBA. Like it's it's just it's just so clear that's what he's trying to, to do. You know, at he's thirty five right now, but look at his conditioning. He's still flying up the court. He can still yam over anyone. You know, there was there was one like uh the ball kind of got hit into the, the backcourt uh yesterday during the, the game and you know, for for like a dead ball and LeBron like chased after it and just did basically like a you know a slam dunk contest worthy you know tomahawk windmill was it you talking about that reverse at like the halftime buzzer yeah, yeah it was it was something like like that like it, it didn't count but it, like he still has hops he's still 
one of the most athletic players in the NBA. He's still one of the strongest players in the NBA at 35 years old. It's it's definitely clear that he'll get to at least 40 years old. But I, I think that's a very interesting point, though, Ethan, that uh, Anthony Davis will kind of extend his career also. Because now, for the first time in LeBron's career, uh, he doesn't have to shoulder 95% of the load anymore. Like he can he can dump it off to AD and let AD go to work. He has pretty good role players right now that are playing well. So I, I think LeBron is definitely uh, enjoying that currently. I, I don't th- I don't think it's a stretch to say that Anthony Davis is the most, based on pure talent, the most talented guy LeBron's ever played with. Just I, I definitely agree with yeah, that. I think it, like, it, probably I think Kyrie's a close second, but I think AD probably no, is the most. Talented. I, I think I think based off of pure skill skill and, and at his size, I think Anthony Davis is the more coveted player it's obviously close with Dwayne Wade Dwayne Wade was Hall of Fame player he's amazing but Anthony Davis there's some, like we don't know what he's going to be yet what his legacy is going to be in the NBA but if you're just looking at a raw talent perspective I think watching like Anthony Davis and LeBron especially LeBron's never had a big man this talented before he can just you know mm-hmm. they can run that pick and roll and he can dump it off to him in the paint you can see the assist numbers are going up for LeBron this year and that's a big reason why is because he can put like put Anthony Davis in the post just and have him go up against these like smaller or like less less agile shenners and he can either just cook him with his footwork or just spot up on him from three or drive or something like that it's it's crazy to watch them to watch them work as a tandem yeah uh, they're definitely a really interesting duo I think they even though LeBron is 35 I think honestly that I think there's a possibility that they could actually win three championships together I really believe that um, depending on how good AD gets, which I think he's just going to get better. So, I don't know. I think you're looking at a possibility that LeBron could actually end up with six championship titles uh, at the end of his career, which would be crazy. Next, I mean, I think this year is a lock. I think number four is a given for him. I don't. We'll see how the rest of the series plays out, but I don't think Miami really stands a chance. Next year is going to be super interesting because the Warriors are going to be back. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be playing together in Brooklyn. Um, Damn right they all are. All those teams, <laughs> all, you know, a bunch of teams are going to get healthy again. The Clippers are going to be back, even though, you know, obviously they choked, but they'll have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That's always a scary duo. Giannis will be with the Bucks. The, the uh, Knicks the will still be Celtics in the shitter, there. right? The Knicks yeah. will, will still yeah, be in the yeah, dumpster, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. All right, that's what I thought. And then Philly, obviously, you know, they just, breaking news in the middle of the pod, they hired Doc Rivers to be their next head coach. They got... Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe they try and go get Chris Paul to so, run the offense. This is this is what I actually want to ask you about that right now. Do you think that that was a good hire? Because yeah. I know we already talked about Doc Rivers uh, like uh, two episodes ago. Like, obviously, I wouldn't say he's a bad coach. He's not. He's not a bad coach. There's no way he's a bad coach. Even you know, even on that last year, that 2018 Clippers run, where they took... they. They took two games off the Warriors with Kevin Durant on it. There's no way you could say he's a bad coach. Has he underachieved? Yes. But I, I don't think he's a bad coach. I, but I, at the same time, I don't really know how it's going to fit in Philadelphia. Because he's, he's seen more as a player's coach. And he's going to have to tell Ben Simmons, bro, you better get a fucking jump shot and start shooting in games. Because, you know, I, I, it seems like... Every couple of months, I'm seeing this new uh, Instagram video of Ben Simmons 
working out in the gym and get, playing against some bums, hitting jump shots. <laughs> and he always says at the end of the video, oh yeah, I'm going to be shooting. And then he's never doing it. So, I, I don't know. When is he going to actually start shooting jump shots? Because that really is the key for the Sixers unlocking their offense. Ben Simmons shooting jump shots. It doesn't have to be even three-pointers right now. Just shoot mid-range jumpers. At least let them let them respect you from there. Like, he's literally, he can't play from, like, eight feet outside the basket. It's sad. And then there's also Joel Embiid at the same time, too. Who soft as Charmin. He loves shooting. Soft as Charmin. Loves shooting those threes. He doesn't like posting up. Even though he should. He's seven foot one or whatever. And he could be dominating everybody in the post in the NBA. Nobody could stop him in the post. No one. Yeah, yeah, Matt and I were talking about this last night when we were watching game one, that Joel Embiid should be like a top five talent in the league. He should be a guy going after MVPs. He should be leading the Sixers to NBA Finals. He's that talented of a guy. But like I just said, you know, the guy's soft. He's injury prone. He can't like stay in shape. He's not conditioned well enough. And we just watch when he's at his peak, like nobody can stop him. It's like it's baby Shaq. No, he's a beast. He's unstoppable. But I, what do you think about the Doc Rivers? Do you think it's a good fit? Well, so Ethan, you asked a second ago, uh, how will Doc Rivers fit yeah. in Philadelphia? Yeah. He's going to fit perfectly. <laughs> you know why he's going to fit perfectly? Why? Because as you said, Doc is an underachiever. What is Joel Embiid? Underachiever. Underachiever. What's Ben Simmons? Underachiever. Tobias Harris, underachiever. Uh, Al Horford—they're all underachievers. <laughs> like this is this is actually a match made in heaven. This is going to be a team of underachievers. I I'm guaranteeing you that the Sixers are going to make like you know a handful of like other moves over the free agency period and uh, at the beginning of next season, and people are going to be really high on Philadelphia they're they're gonna do like a whole marketing campaign with Doc Rivers as their their new coach and it's it's gonna be great it's gonna be different there's gonna be some videos that's gonna be put out about uh oh Ben Simmons now has a jump shot everyone's gonna get so excited and the Sixers are gonna get the six seed again and get swept in the first round next year like <laughs> this is this is just like what's gonna gonna happen Doc Rivers isn't gonna change anything he uh has proven that he can't elevate a team the team already has to be super stacked in order for him to be able to get anything done of value and Doc Rivers just isn't the guy for that Philadelphia team that Philadelphia team it, it wasn't a uh, personnel issue it was a player issue it's just it, the fit there was so bad with Simmons and Embiid obviously they're such like great talents individually but to have those two together and then you end up spending like we're talking about the Miami Heat. Like you think about how much the Sixers miss Jimmy Butler right now, instead of all, like giving two hundred eighty nine million dollars total to Al Al Horford and Tobias Harris. Like that, those two signings honestly are like a fireball offense for Al Horford. Uh, for not, sorry, not Al Horford, uh, Elton Brand. When you look back, it's it's just like <clears throat> Horford and Embiid couldn't get any chemistry together. Tobias Harris is more way more of a four than a three. He can't defend threes. And he's not a great passer, so he shouldn't be playing the three. It's just, he, what they need to be doing is, I think, this is the perfect move for them. They need to find a way to get Chris Paul to Philadelphia while also getting Sam Presti to take back Al Horford's contract so you can move Tobias Harris to the four. I think if they did that, they would be in much better shape. But 
like Matt said, I think Doc Rivers is an underachieving coach. He's not a bad coach. Like you said, Ethan, but I don't think he's a great coach either. I wouldn't put him in that elite category of coach. I think he's just like a mediocre so-so whatever, and he gets put on that pedestal because of that 2008 Celtics team, which was loaded with talent. But his teams have blown 3-1 leads in the past. This wasn't the first year that he did it. I think he had it one year with Boston, and then he obviously had that 3-1 lead with the Clippers that got blown against Houston where they ended up going to the conference finals against the Warriors. So this isn't Doc Rivers' first go-around with this kind of stuff. And I think if that kind of thing happened with Philly, they're probably in the most turmoil in the league outside of the Clippers. So just it just it's literally just they're, they're, they're the Clippers East. That's what the Sixers are right now. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, but I... You know, possible trade. Possible trade of to maybe help the Sixers out, uh, I'm, I'm just looking at this on our Twitter timeline, is uh, the Sixers give up Tobias Harris, Norvell Pell, however you pronounce that, and Matisse Steibel, and the Sixers get back Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. That's decent. It's not bad. I, they, I mean, need, they, it, they just need it would, shooters. It would probably... I saw that Buddy Heald said yeah, on... The, the Sixers need... Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that Buddy Heel said on somebody's Instagram post that he wants to play for the Sixers. So, I mean, maybe it would be a good fit. But it's, oh, it's really? going to be so hard to move Tobias's, Tobias Harris's contract. He's making an average of $36 million over the next five years. Like, I don't know how... It... Right, that's why the, the Sixers get back... Well, like, they get back Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heel. Harrison Barnes is making $22 million and Buddy Heel is making nearly twenty five. I think so. It it actually actually kind of yeah, works out. I think out. Barnes isn't expiring. But the thing is with Harris is that he is like on the books for like the next four years. So that's tough. Or is actually Barnes is actually on the books for the next three yeah. years, and Buddy okay. Hill is also on the books for next. Tobias three Harris years. is yeah yeah they they just oh, okay. signed it. Tobias actually, Harris yeah, isn't yeah. isn't a bad player though. He's a good player. Not worth the money he's getting paid, but he's a good player. No, no, I don't think anyone's saying he's a Definitely bad player. Is. He's, a, he's a like very solid starter in the NBA, but he's just he's not worth thirty six million a year. No, definitely. Yeah, and uh, I, we did mention KD and Kyrie before, so I think now would be a good time. There's also been a little bit of uh, sparklings coming out of the Brooklyn Nets camp where recently. Uh, KD and Kyrie, they were in a podcast together, and, you know, they said some incendiary things, to say the least. I think, you know, I heard Kyrie say, he said something like, you know, for the first time, I look down the bench, and I see, oh yeah, that this motherfucker could make that shot too, which is a 100% slight at LeBron, you cannot tell me otherwise, and I just want to, I to see what your, what your reaction to that comment is, because that was, when I saw that, it was hilarious. Matt, what do you guys Matt, think about Matt, that? You take this one first, since you're the uh, other Nets fan on this podcast. So I I just think that Kyrie is just he's I don't know what his problem is. I I really just don't get what his problem is. It's like he just can't help himself from shitting on LeBron and him and KD. You know, I, as some of our viewers know, as, as you guys know, I'm a big Brooklyn Nets fan. As am I, yeah. But, but I'm not really a huge fan of KD and Kyrie. They're both, they both strike me as like just petty, 
like KD is known to have those burner accounts that he'll go and defend himself anonymously, which is so whack. And Kyrie, you know, he's he is liked by his fellow NBA peers, evidenced by you know him being the vice president of the uh, Players Association. So clearly, he has to have some sort of uh, sway and and influence and charisma for the players to vote him into that position. Uh, but it just it just doesn't make sense why Kyrie would say that because he had probably the second best player ever in NBA history at a minimum as his teammate for four years. LeBron, if you check the stats, he is a very very clutch player. As of it was in most recently as of 2013, he was seven of 16 on clutch shots in the playoffs. So like meaning like within like two minutes of the game. Uh, like within two minutes of the the game ending, and that was in 2013. And at that point, he was known as being more of a choke artist, right? And in the years since 2013 to now, he's been a lot more clutch. So if that's seven of, uh, so it was seven of 16 actually. So if he was seven of 16 in that time period where he was considered not that clutch, and you know compared to now, you know you you just got to look at the the stats. LeBron has been very very clutch in the the playoffs especially in the past six seven years and it it really just doesn't make sense why Kyrie just can't help himself from just getting digs in at LeBron it it really it it just I don't get it I don't get why he feels the need to just put this out into the universe like I I don't I don't get it what do you guys think as you know even me as a Knicks fan being salty about Katie and Kyrie I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate here i think what Kyrie is trying to say not so much that lebron isn't clutch it's more that like from a pure offensive standpoint that katie's just a better scorer like when you take the ball and just you know a pull up three or something like that who do you trust more lebron or kd and i i kind of agree with him that i trust kd just he's, he's that kind of guy where he's always been an outside shooter he's just seven foot he can do whatever he wants he can shoot over anybody in that kind of way I th- like Kyrie's like you said he's a bit of a weirdo like he's always had these like strange strange <laughs> opinions that differ from like the rest of the NBA he for some reason I don't know what happened between him and LeBron I think he was just mad that he wasn't the guy in Cleveland even though he won a championship with him in 2016 but he went to Boston to try to be the guy and clearly it didn't work out so he decided to come home to go to Brooklyn, and he ends up going to KD, who he clearly knows is better than him, and he's going to play the role of Robin again. So I don't know. It's it's a very interesting dynamic between those two. I don't know what next year is going to look like, but just him also saying, like with Steve Nash, they were talking on a podcast about how I can be a head coach, KD can be a head coach, Jack Vaughn can be a head coach, and like Steve Nash too. Like That just seems like, I don't know, that dynamic just a little bit strange. No, so yeah, that doesn't that scares uh, me that a little. definitely strikes me as yeah, that strikes me as the hierarchy is off. It's gonna not work out. Steve Nash is not gonna be able to control the locker room anytime the Nets go on some sort of like five or six game skid and the guys start pointing fingers at each other. Steve Nash is not gonna be able to control the locker room and it's gonna the the blame is gonna be put on him, it's gonna snowball and it's not gonna work out. So uh, I I See, I've always been of the opinion that a team needs a really strong coach, a really like um, a, a coach who can be a leader. Uh, and I, I just, uh, 
when you have guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving who are saying things like this and undermining the coach's authority before the season even started, before the season even ended, it, it doesn't it doesn't bode very well. I, I I was always under the impression that they needed to hire a veteran coach with experience. You know, going going with the first timer didn't really make sense to me. They needed someone like a, you know, just keep Jock Vaughn in place or maybe never even fire Kenny Atkins. I don't know. Like Kyrie clearly wasn't a big fan of him, the way he ran the offense. Uh, I don't know. There was Jeff Van Gundy. You could have hired someone like him, a Ty Lue. I would prefer those guys over Steve Nash. I think they're just going to have – it's just someone that they like, but they also know that they have control over him in a way, and they can be like – they can just take over games and just be like, no, Steve, we're going to do this instead of what you said. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I definitely think it's going to be a, a crazy situation there. And, yeah, I agree with Matt that the hierarchy is off and it's going to be really hard to tell what could happen if they start losing and maybe the whole situation could implode. I don't know. I really don't think it spells any good fortune for me and Matt's Nets team. I don't think that they're going to win the championship. I think they'll be a very good team. I, I, I don't think that they'll win the championship. They'll be, they'll be a very good team. They'll be a top two team in the East, most likely, just based on pure talent alone. Just having Kevin Kevin. I don't even know Kevin if they'll Durant. be top two. If, if, K, if KD is 100%, you have that guy in the East where you can beat up on a lot of bad teams in the lower portion. I think I think they can be like a top two, you know, worse, at worst, like a top three team in the East. They'll definitely be a top four team no matter what next year. I mean, assuming no, next season, their minimum getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, assuming health, and and Jordan was screaming at me last night, about, uh, saying that I that I can't you assume can't health. Assume. You can't. You, you with, can't. Uh, with with KD can't and, and Kyrie, you, you cannot assume health with a thirty-two year old who tore his Achilles, and with Kyrie, who's been injured for a, like a large part of his career. He's always dealt with injuries, shoulder injuries, knee injuries, foot injuries, stuff like that. It's it's he he played twenty games this past year, and he's he's he, what is he thirty like. He's about to turn 30 soon, so that's you have to be concerned about stuff like that. No, I'm definitely concerned, but when you make predictions, people tend to assume health because otherwise you can't really just make a prediction. You, you, can, you can make an assumption that anyone will get hurt. It, it doesn't really make sense to make predictions with the assumption that someone is but it's is like gonna it's, be it's the same thing with like a guy like the Sixers Joel Embiid we say if he can play a full 82 games then the Sixers are a great team because he's just that good of a talent but he clearly can't stay healthy for 82 games because he's just not conditioned that way and he gets hurt all the time so I, th- I, th- I think it's the same exact kind of argument you have with certain players you have to assume injuries. but but even still though even still the Sixers are just even if they were all healthy they don't play that well together. That's kind of the point when you're making these predictions. So even if even if like KD and Kyrie, that's a team. It's a, it's a complete unknown. You don't know how they're going to gel together. What their chemistry is going to be. Well, we have seen them play together in that's, on like Olympic teams, though. right? They're, that's just like with a team of superstars. So clearly, you're you're going you're gonna to gel. But like, but like you you know though that their style their their styles complement each other. They're they're both they're both shooters. They're both they both can work without the ball. They both can bring up the ball. No, I'm not saying I. I... Any any time you have like offensive powerhouses that aren't just complete ball hogs like Carmelo Anthony. Oh, stop. And you can't you're like coming fill in with your, coming in with your any any other. Right uh, okay. I see where I see where this is going. 
listen, KD and Kyrie, they're both offensive superstars. They can figure out a way to make it work. And the most important thing is that they're not ball hogs. They're they're not just ISO machines like how Melo was or how Joe Johnson was. I mean, Kyrie can be a pretty big ISO machine at times, I feel like. That's not really like... Yeah, he can be, but if he has another guy like Kevin Durant playing next to him, uh, he'll be willing to give up I hope the, so. the ball. That's because that's the only way it's going to work. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a interesting situation in Brooklyn for sure next season. And uh, with that, thank you for listening to the Getting Buckets podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple and subscribe to us on Twi- and on uh, Spotify. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys next time.